Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. It's a very familiar story, very familiar passage. If you will, stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. This took place that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as the disciples directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, then they laid their robes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their robes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken, saying, Who is this? And the crowds kept saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer tonight that we, as we look at this portion of your word, that you will indeed speak to our hearts. In your name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning and tonight, we have looked at what I think are two of the very familiar pre-crucifixion, pre-death, pre-resurrection events in the life of Christ. This morning, we saw Salome, uh, the mother of of James and John, uh, coming to Jesus to ask for special treatment. Tonight, we see that event that we call the triumphant entry. In fact... Palm Sunday is, the, I think, the last Sunday of uh, March this year, where they came in. And we see in this story, remember the story that I've just read, Jesus told the disciples to go ahead, get a donkey, bring the colt, bring it to me, and they did that. Somehow the word got out. Somehow the word got out, and people came from all over It was a buzz in the air, and they took off their outer garments, and in honor and respect, they they flooded the road with their clothes. They cut palm branches, and they waved the palm branches. It was a processional befitting a king and royalty, and those palm branches is why we call it Palm Sunday. Jesus came in, and as he came in, they shout, and they shouted, and they sang, Hosanna! 
Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the fever pitch of the singing rose to such level that Dr. Luke tells us that it made the traditional church people nervous. And they said, can you quiet it down? We liked it a little quieter. And I love Brother Kevin Ham. He knows why we need to keep it quiet in church. Because we don't awake the sleeping. But you know what? It didn't quiet down. In fact, if you look here, it says, The whole city was shaken. Shaken. Now, the truth is, if you go back to the King James Version, it says, The city was moved. A little more sedate. The New International Version says, The whole city was stirred. The English translation, English Standard Translation says, The whole city was stirred up. And Holman Christian Standard says shaken. Would you like to know what the word in the Greek is? It means seismic. It means it was an earthquake. It stirred the city up. They were on their feet singing praises just like we were the other night to the Lamb of God. Praises to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shaken. They were stirred. They were stirred up. But here's the question tonight. Were they stirred but not changed? Were they stirred but not changed? Brother Jerry, why would you say that? Here's why. This happened on a Sunday that Jesus came in. It happened on a Sunday that when they, when he, when he rode in, that they were shouting Hosanna, shouting blessed be. And it was less than five days later that this same crowd recorded in Matthew 27 was saying crucify him. Those same voices that gave praise to him were the same voices that said slay him. Now. This past week, we've been stirred. Uh, Maybe not everybody. I'll try that again. This past week, we've been stirred. Great preaching. I know it's better preaching than you're normally accustomed to. We had great preaching. We had great singing. A great spirit. In fact, um, uh, some of you said, man, I'd love for this type of service to go on all the time. And my question in my heart, as I wept in my heart, is why doesn't it go on all the time? Why doesn't it go on? You think God doesn't want us to have that all the time? But may I say this to you? I don't think our Lord is near as concerned about shaking us, stirring us, and stirring us up as he is about changing us. And if we are unwilling to be changed, there's very little that he can do with us. Now, Brother Jerry, you're saying these folks were stirred but not changed. What are some of the... What are some of the symbols? What are some of the signs? What are some of the ways we can know? I'm going to suggest to you three things that we can, three ways that we can know when we've been stirred and not changed. The first is in our head. The first is in our head. How we think. What our attitude is. How like God is our attitude? Do you do understand that when you get changed, the Scripture tells us that the first thing that changes is our mind? Isn't it, isn't it Romans that tells us to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed 
By the renewing of our mind. Renewing, renovating, rebuilding, restructuring. You see, here's the truth. When Christ gets in our heart and He changes our mind, here's what happens. All of a sudden, we don't see things the way we used to. All of a sudden, we see things the way He wants us to. He begins to work in our lives that we can begin with the thought processes like He has. In fact, Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The head represents the mind, the controlling center. And may I just say this to us? We do not have the capacity on our own to transform our mind. Since the Garden of Eden, our mind has been depraved. Since the Garden of Eden, the natural mind is the mind that has stayed on ourself. And when we've been stirred and not changed, our head is one of the first indicators. The second thing I'd suggest to you is habits. Habits. Now, all of us have habits, some of them are good. <laughs> Some of them are not so good. And some of them are downright bad. Do you know what happens to us when we get a bad habit? You know what a bad habit is to us? You know what it's like between us and God? A bad habit is to God. Are you listening? A bad habit is to God. What adultery is to your mate. A bad habit is to God. What adultery is to your mate. It doesn't matter what that bad habit is. It doesn't matter if it's a skipping church, ducking out of Sunday school class. It doesn't matter whether it's smoking or drinking or chewing. Don't you like that old one? Old thing that says, uh, I don't smoke, drink, chew, or run with girls who do. Now, the reason you don't run with girls who do is because normally they're level-headed gals. Now, you know how to know that a girl who chews is level-headed, don't you? The tobacco juice drips out of both sides of her mouth equally. You know what the truth is? I'm sorry, Rodney. I'm sorry. I've gone to meddling, haven't I? The truth is, is that whatever your habit is, whatever you default to, that's who you are. And when God gets in your life, when you and I have been changed All of a sudden, those bad habits we know are bad. All of a sudden, those bad habits that we have that are destructive to other people, that are destructive to the body of Christ, that are even destructive to us, all of a sudden, those bad habits begin to eke their way out because the Holy Spirit, who's taken residence within us, ekes them out. May I just say this to you? You can change some bad habits temporarily. Are you listening? You can change some bad habits on your own temporarily. But I submit that if you try to do it by yourself, here's what's going to happen. At the first sign of temptation, it's going to be very easy to go back. Habits will tell whether you've been changed or not. How you think your head will tell whether you've been changed or not. But you know what the big payoff is? Not just your head, not just your habits, but the way to know that you have been stirred and not changed is with your heart. It's with your heart. 
you've heard me say this many times if you've been here any period of time. There is a lie today that, that permeates at least the Baptist church, Brother Terry. And that lie is this. You cannot know what's in another person's heart. That's a lie. You'd be mad, you'd be upset, but you know what's in another person's heart. The heart that's been changed, the heart that's been not changed. Think about, first of all, the contents of your heart. The contents of your heart. The Bible says, you know why I say that these days? Because I remember as a kid it really carried weight when I heard Billy Graham stand in that massive stadium and say the Bible says. Because when the Bible says it, the preacher's not just giving it. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So all we have to do is watch how someone lives. We need to listen to their talk, and we need to watch their action, and you can tell what's in someone's heart. The Bible continues. The Bible also tells us that a heart that has not been changed is a bad heart. Is a bad heart. What's in that heart? I don't want you just to think about the contents of the heart, although you need to know what's in your heart. Do you know what's in your heart tonight? Well, I think I do. But do you think that maybe the Lord could help us show, help us know what's in our heart? He wants us to know what's in our heart. And He wants us to know what's in our heart before it hits our lips, before it gets in our lives, before it hurts other people. What's in your heart tonight? If your heart is not changed, I offer you, number two, the caution. The caution about your heart. Now here's what I want to say to us. There is not a person in this room, not a person in this room who hasn't had a friend or a loved one to be impacted by physical heart problems. Brother Terry, two years ago? Was it two years ago that your heart? Three? Three. Oh, we, we have fun about this now that he's okay. But uh, uh, Brother Terry never told us that he was kind of feeling bad or what have you. One day, Troy and Terry were walking from the parking lot at West into West Hospital. The next thing they knew, Brother Terry was sitting down. When all the smoke cleared, as you remember, he had a bad heart. It was clogged. And you know what? I dare say this. Miss June would have pointed that finger right at him. If he'd have said, I'm not going to do anything about it. Because you see, when you get something wrong with your heart, you've got to do something about it now. If you don't do something about it now, you're going to wind up dead. May I say this to us, that when something is wrong with our, with our spiritual heart, if we don't do something now about it, if we don't do something about it now, we will wind up dead. The sad part is, spiritually, we'll wind up killing more people than we can imagine. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. 
Whatever's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. You can tell everybody you have a good heart. You have a good thought life. You have good things. But when it comes out of your mouth, it reveals who you are. Have you been stirred? Or have you been changed? The third thing that I would tell you about your heart is the comfort from your heart. There is nothing any more comforting than for the doctors to put that EKG on your heart or to wire you up and put you on that ungodly treadmill. There is nothing any more comforting than to step off one of those two tests and hear them go, hey, it all looks good. Or maybe they think something's wrong with your heart and so they insert that catheter and they go up in there and look, boy, it's all clear, man. You look like you got a heart of a 15-year-old. Nothing feels better than that than to know your heart is clean. You see... If you have been stirred and not changed, you will never know that comfort. If you have been changed, you will know that comfort because daily, daily, the Lord will give to you an assurance that He's there with you. You'll have the Holy Spirit with you to go wherever you go, to carry you through whatever struggle or trial you need to go through. To give you words when somebody puts you on the spot. So the question tonight is this. Where are you? I mean, this week, we're supposed to have this high and holy time. Talked to Miss Ann a while ago, and we had 180 in, in Sunday school. That's all right. Everybody don't have to come to Sunday school, but here's what I'll tell you. Last week, we probably never had more than 50 or 60 from our congregation to experience one of the greatest meetings that we've been to in a while. For we saw God do some things. Now, here's what I will tell us. God doesn't care how high we jump. He cares how straight we walk. Have you allowed God to speak to your heart? Have you allowed Him to change your heart? Have you allowed Him to take away the ill will, the ill feelings? Have you allowed Him to take away your bad habits? Have you allowed Him to renew your mind, or to renovate your thinking, to change your thought processes? Have you allowed Him to do a heart transplant? I declare this to you. We'll never make, we as a church will never make an impact in this community if we have a bad heart. And we cannot repair our heart on our own. It takes a professional. Let's pray together.